America. We are endowed by our Creator with certain unalienable rights, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. At Grand Canyon University, we believe in equal opportunity, and the American dream starts with purpose. To serve others in ways that promote human flourishing and create a ripple effect of transformation for generations to come, find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu. Upon a winding country road they tread, where darkness cloaks the path ahead. A place of whispered tales and fear, where people suddenly disappear. Mysterious shadows dance in the mist, their secrets veiled, their presence kissed. By the moon's pale and eerie light, they haunt the edges of the night. The road a ribbon through the trees hums with ancient mysteries. Echoes of footsteps long since gone whisper secrets linger on. Those who wander bold and brave find themselves ensnared a slave to forces they can't explain lost in a labyrinth of pain. The mist coils close a spectral wraith concealing secrets life's dark faith. They walk the road with heavy hearts, drawn in by shadows torn apart. Beware the road where spirits roam, where lost souls find no way back home. And none return to see the day, a realm where time and space entwine, where echoes of the lost souls shine. On that dark country road they roam, forever seeking a way back home. Welcome to Destination Terror, your passport to the scariest places in the world. From haunted hotels to locations of unexplained creature sightings, we will travel to places that will provide excitement, adventure, and horror. Today we are discussing Jeremy Swamp Road, located in Southbury, Connecticut. This mysterious road is considered one of the most haunted roads in the U.S. and is the location of multiple unexplained disappearances. So if you're into travel and all things scary, listen close and you might just discover your next exciting adventure destination, but hopefully not your final destination. Destination Terror is an EerieCast original podcast hosted by me, Carmen Carrion. If you would like to send us a suggestion or submit a story with your own experiences, you can email them to carmencarrion at gmail.com or follow me on Twitter, at Carmen Carrion. If you enjoy the show, please follow and rate Destination Terror on Spotify and Apple Podcasts to help us grow. Also, check out EerieCast.com for more scary podcasts, such as Freaky Folklore, the podcast where together we explore horrifying legends across the world and tell terrifying tales of monsters both ancient and modern. Jack sat in front of his computer, the ambient light from the screen the only thing lighting his room. He had been wanting to go on another supernatural adventure ever since his trip to Suicide Forest in Japan. He didn't have the money to make another trip overseas, but the call to adventure was strong, so he decided he would look for nearby sites. He sat scrolling through articles about ghost towns, haunted houses, haunted mansions, abandoned and supposed haunted hospitals. 
However, none of these places were appealing to Jax. He had done the haunted thing so much now that he craved something else. He changed his search to obscure cryptids in America. From there, he fell down a rabbit hole of wendigos, skinwalkers, bigfoots, and chupacabra. None of these were as interesting to him now as they had been. After scrolling and clicking link after link, he finally found something that caught his attention. The headline read, The Melon Heads of Jeremy Swamp Road, A History. Jack scrolled down and read the article. It was one of those pieces of journalism written more for entertainment, and not meant to bring any truth to the creatures it discussed. Because, as usual, someone's grandma's cousin's uncle had seen one of these creatures running around in shadows and mist. Nevertheless, it caught Jax's interest. He had never heard of a melonhead, and a grin crossed his face when he said the word melonhead out loud. Despite the silly name for these cryptids, they sounded terrifying, and Jax knew this was the trip he wanted to take. He had to find lodging, and hopefully he could camp somewhere near Jeremy Swamp Road, just in case he actually found one of these creatures. Jax had been a skeptic about these sort of things until his first paranormal experience a few years prior. Now all he wanted to do was prove that the supernatural existed. Jax's paranormal event had been terrifying, and he had never been able to put it behind him. He had become an outcast in his tiny hometown, and left to pursue the truth because he wanted to clear his name and get rid of the shadow that hung over his head due to what he had endured. Not only had he been the victim of an incredibly violent demonic presence, he also became known as the Town Looney. He liked to think of himself as a present-day Ed Warren type of man, but he needed a Lorraine by his side. He picked up his phone and texted one of his few friends, Abby. Hey, Abs, would you be interested in a road trip in a week or so? He waited for her response. He didn't realize it was already two in the morning, though, until he looked at the time on his computer screen. He knew he wasn't going to hear back from her for a few hours, so he decided to call it a night. Abby awoke to the text Jack had sent her the night before. She scanned it and knew he was trying to rope her into one of his spooky chases. Of course she wanted to go. She texted back. Heck yes. What are we looking for this time? Her notification sound went off and she checked the message from Jax. It simply read, Melon Heads. Abby laughed out loud in her empty bedroom. She thought he must be joking. She replied, Ha ha. What is a melon head? It sounds like candy. Her phone jingled and she looked. It was a link he had sent her to the article he had read. She clicked the link and waited for it to pull up. A second later, she was looking at a jacked up mutant hillbilly looking thing. She wasn't smiling now. She grimaced slightly at the pictures of these deformed things. Were they people? She wondered to herself. She started reading the article. According to local lore, the Melonheads were originally orphans under the watch of a mysterious figure known as Dr. Crow. Crow is said to have performed unusual experiments on the children, who developed large hairless heads and malformed bodies. Some accounts claim that the children were already suffering from hydrocephalus, and that Crow injected even more fluid into their brains. Eventually, 
The legend continues. The children killed Crow, burned the orphanage, and retreated to the surrounding forests and supposedly fed on babies. Abby let out a long breath. Oh boy, this is gonna suck. She thought to herself. Baby-eating mutant children weren't exactly her forte. But she had said yes without asking what the trip would be first, and Abby was a woman of her word. She had really thought it would be a skinwalker or Bigfoot. Jax heard his phone jingle and looked at the text Abby sent back. Dude, this is so effed up. Are you sure you want to do this? Duh, of course I do. Let's start getting our trip planned out. Jack sent back. He knew Abby too well, and he knew she was kicking herself in the butt for saying yes before knowing what the trip was. Jax and Abby wrapped up their texting session with the decision to go the following weekend. Abby had left the planning up to Jax, because frankly she was creeped out and didn't want to go, but she knew how important it was to him to clear his name. Abby was one of his only friends after what he had been through a few years prior, with that whole demonic business that he and his parents had been through. He nearly went to prison, but thankfully he had enough eyewitnesses that testified on his behalf, and there's no evidence that he had done what he had been accused of. The case against Jax eventually got thrown out, but that didn't do anything to clear his name to the locals. Jax had scoped out local motels nearest to Jeremy Swamp Road. He was still hoping to come across a camping spot, though. He looked on Google Earth and saw that there were a lot of houses on this road, to his surprise. But there was about a half-mile stretch that was desolate. When he saw this, he zoomed in and could see a clearing. This, he thought, is where we're going to stay. He felt anxious with anticipation all that week as he couldn't get through his work week fast enough to make this short trip from Long Island. Abby was finally getting excited, and her spooky nerd side was showing. Jax couldn't have been happier. He loved it when Abby was happy. She was the most important person in his life, and he adored her sweet, funny, and enigmatic personality. It was finally Thursday, and both Jax and Abby had managed to get the day off with their accrued vacation days. They both worked for the same company, and syncing trips together was usually easy. Their bosses liked them and regarded both of them highly for their great work ethic. People that didn't know about Jax's demonic incident generally liked them both, and their co-workers always got a kick out of their adventures or misadventures in some cases. They always looked forward to Jax and Abby's spooky stories when they returned from these ghost chases. Both friends said their goodbyes for the weekend and took off out the door to the factory, loading up into Jax's Jeep Wrangler. They chatted about everything under the sun while listening to some daft punk. With the wind whipping through their hair and smiles on their faces, they were always happy to be in each other's company. After driving for a while, Jax looked over at Abby briefly and noticed the glow of her sun-kissed cheeks. He thought about how sweet she was and how pissed she was going to be when he told her they were going to be camping just off the road, in hopes of spotting some melon heads. He still grinned when he thought of the name, Melonhead. It didn't exactly invoke fear when you heard it. The pair took the ferry crossing the sound, and were now docking to finish the last leg of their journey, 
During the ferry ride, they talked about Jeremy Swamp Road and what potentially lay in store for them. Abby was especially creeped out by what Dr. Crow had allegedly done to those poor orphans. But then she felt a sense of fear at the thought of those same orphans eating babies. She asked Jax to fill her in on any details he might have forgotten. Jax thought to himself for a moment, and then he told her he was sure he had gone over everything with her. The road was a place where cars would break down, but the owners of said cars were never to be seen again. There were rumors of shadow people, and of course, the melon heads. He did recall reading that the melon heads could also be the products of years of inbreeding. There were a few theories about what these bulbous-headed, short, hairless beings could be. Jax was lost in thought about all of this when Abby asked the dreaded question, Which motel are we staying at? Jax drew in a deep breath and looked at her with puppy eyes. Well, about that. I, uh, thought that since we only have three nights, camping would be best. Abby's jaw dropped, and Jax reached over to lift her chin and close her mouth. He could see her gears turning as she searched for the words to express her frustration. He just smiled sheepishly and shrugged his shoulders, resembling a kid caught with his hand in a cookie jar. Are you serious right now? You expect me to camp out with possible naked mutant hillbillies that eat babies? Abby asked incredulously. Jax couldn't help but laugh at her phrasing. She was so cute when she was mad. It's not funny, Jax, Abby said heatedly. Jax held in his laughter and apologized for springing this on her. She knew he wasn't genuinely sorry, but she also knew she would still go because she wouldn't let him sleep out in some creepy-ass woods by himself. This episode is sponsored by June's Journey. What is horror to you? Monsters? Murder? Mystery? Well, if human monsters are your thing, June's Journey is the game for you, albeit in a more light-hearted tone. June's Journey is a hidden object game with a thrilling murder mystery set in the Roaring Twenties. You play as June on the hunt for your sister's murderer. Discover clues through exciting hidden object scenes with beautiful and atmospheric illustrations and music. Victory brings you closer to new plot points and suspenseful answers. When not hunting for clues, you can customize your own luxurious estate island with gardens, buildings, and decor. Or chat and play with or against other players too, in the Detective Club, where you could even put your skills to the test in the Detective League. June's journey is both relaxing and fun to play. With my busy schedule, I find it's the perfect game to pick up and play whenever I've got a free moment. It doesn't demand too much time, and it's pretty satisfying solving puzzles quickly and unlocking new clues. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Terrifying experiences can be found in destinations all around the world, in abandoned towns, castles, hotels, and even on dark country roads. One of the most haunted roads in the United States is said to be Jeremy Swamp Road in Southbury, Connecticut. Jeremy Swamp Road is somewhat unique in its flavor of terror. It has been rumored to be the last location of missing travelers, 
who mysteriously vanish after their cars break down. To make it even creepier, some of these people reportedly called for a tow truck when their cars broke down for no apparent reason. But when the tow truck arrived, the driver would only find an empty yet running car. One report, which couldn't be verified, stated that even a whole troop of Boy Scouts went missing on Jeremy Swamp Road. Stories dating back decades speak of shadow figures lurking off the sides of the road, watching and waiting for the living to arrive. Some people have claimed to have been chased by figures not quite human-looking. These figures, sometimes cloaked in shadows and other times accompanied by mist, have given many people that awful feeling of dread many who have encountered the paranormal can understand. One theory to what may have happened to these missing people is based on stories about a creature or creatures that may or may not be human, known as the melon heads. Melon heads have been reported to be seen on heavily wooded country roads throughout Connecticut. Zion Hill Road, for example, is Milford's Melonhead Road. Sawmill City Road is Shelton's. The Melonheads also supposedly live on the outskirts of Monroe, Stratford, Seymour, Weston, Easton, Oxford, Southbury, Fairfield, New Haven, and Trumbull. They look like small humanoids with oversized heads, and they rarely come out from hiding. They survive by eating small animals, stray cats, and human flesh. Usually the flesh of teenagers, not babies. And the Melonheads make handy justifications for hikers or runaway teens who vanish. There have been tales about isolated, deformed country folk in Europe for at least a century. For instance, in the middle of the 19th century, it's said that a sizable family of Melonheads once resided in Bavaria, Germany. Weebleheads, an inbred family of Melonheads, were rumored to reside outside of Risbury, England around 1900. After World War II, when people began to move out of the cities and into the suburbs, Melonhead stories started to appear in Connecticut. They most likely reflect the prejudice and fear of the isolated rural folk held by ex-urban New Yorkers. The question is, how did the Melonheads get to Connecticut? According to one theory, they descended from a family that was exiled into the wilderness after being accused of witchcraft where they survived and were interbred. They changed into melonheads after centuries of inbreeding. Another theory holds that the melonheads escaped the Garner Correctional Institute, which specializes in housing inmates with mental health issues, or Fairfield Hills Hospital, a now defunct mental institution. Both are in Newton, Connecticut. A variation of that theory has the Melonheads escaping from an unnamed mental institution in the 1960s. The building supposedly burned, some of the inmates escaped and turned to cannibalism, which caused their heads to swell. While checking into the history of the area, I discovered that Jeremy Swamp Road isn't the only mysterious location in Southbury. An entire neighborhood was abandoned, and nobody knows why. Many Connecticut residents were unaware that Southbury was home to an entire abandoned neighborhood until YouTube user The Mighty Moes made the revelation. His unsettling video depicts what seems to be a charming group of cottages that were once the staff members' homes at Southbury Training School, except that they are all now wholly deserted. 
Since this location is completely off-limits to the general public and has no vehicular access, few people are aware that it even exists. Southbury Training School was a school for people with disabilities. Despite the lack of residents, the roads are still kept up, the lawns are mowed, and the fire hydrants are freshly painted. It also doesn't help that the area is a part of a 1,600-acre campus. Could this abandoned neighborhood and the melon heads of Jeremy Camp Road be connected? Whether they are or not, these stories make Southbury, Connecticut a terrifying destination. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. Jax and Abby had finally made it onto Jeremy Swamp Road. The sun was setting, and Jax was guiding them toward the clearing he had marked out before daylight vanished completely. Since finding out she would be camping here instead of a motel, Abby hadn't spoken to him. Feeling somewhat safer due to the houses lining the road, Abby's comfort faded when they hit an isolated stretch. Jax then announced they were nearly there. Her stomach tightened as she surveyed the bare trees. It was spring, and the trees back home had lush leaves. Why were these trees so gnarled and desolate, she wondered. Jax quickly unloaded their gear from the Wrangler and handed Abby a backpack. They briskly left the road, entering the woods. With daylight dwindling, they had to move swiftly. Under her breath, Abby grumbled while they practically jogged. Jax told her to stop complaining and keep up. She promptly punched his shoulder. As they emerged from the dense trees, the clearing came into view. Both sighed with relief. They would set up camp before nightfall. Jax worked on setting up the tent as Abby watched, occasionally snickering at his struggles. He had a hard time doing it alone, but she refused to help as punishment for tricking her into staying in the woods. Despite her unease, Abby took care of the campfire. The woods didn't feel right to her. Eventually, Jax finished and joined Abby on the blanket she had laid out. I really am sorry, Abby. I just needed us to be here where these things might be. 
I don't think searching during daylight and then sleeping in a motel will get us anywhere, Jax explained, playfully nudging her side. I understand. I'm not as angry as I am creeped out. This place feels wrong. And it's not just the stories. It feels dead here, you know? Abby replied. Jax nodded, acknowledging that he could sense it too. Since his traumatic experience, he hadn't felt real fear. But this place made his stomach churn. He hoped it would be the place where he could provide evidence of the supernatural. While he knew the chances were slim, the prospect excited him through the fear. Abby glanced at him with a mixture of fondness and annoyance. Well, I don't know about you, but I'm exhausted. I'm going to lay down. Wake me up if you need me, she said sweetly, settling into the two-man tent. Sure thing. Sleep well. I'll stay up to set up the recorders and trail cams. I think I brought enough lanterns to get that done. Jax replied, heading towards the Wrangler to retrieve the electronics. As Abby dozed off in her sleeping bag, Jax worked on installing the trail cams and recorders around the campsite. He heard rustling and twigs snapping around him, which made him uneasy. The images of the melon heads, those short, bulbous-headed, hairless beings, with veins thick as ropes, protruding from their foreheads and down their necks, the sickly gray skin that had no hair and looked mottled as if they were decomposing. He shivered at the thought of how grotesque some of the art had been. Either someone had seen them at some point, or had a great imagination, to have created the pictures of these things on the websites he had visited. Some of them had teeth like rabbits. Two front teeth, except that is what filled their mouths. He remembered being bitten by his pet hamster as a child, and how much those squared-off teeth had hurt him, and how deep the bite was. Now thinking of a mouth with rows of those teeth biting into you made him queasy. Abby had been asleep for almost two hours when she reached over to feel for Jack's. Once she located him in the dark, she laid her head on his shoulder. She could feel his skin, and she wondered why he felt so cold. That was the last thought she had as she fell back into her restful sleep. Jax had finished setting up everything and was undressing outside the tent. He slipped on his t-shirt and pajama pants and crawled into the tent beside Abby. Her arm was resting on top of his sleeping bag, so he gently tried to move it back to her side so he could lay down. When he did, she jerked awake. What are you doing? She asked, bleary-eyed. Just now finished setting up the equipment and coming to bed. Scoot over, please, Jack said, smiling down at her. Oh, okay. Wait, did you just say you just finished? Abby asked loudly and panicked. Yeah, why? What's wrong? Jax asked her, feeling very concerned now. I, I laid my arm over you. You were so cold and, but... The words started to die in her mouth as she realized it hadn't been Jax's arm or shoulder she had been touching. We have to go, Abby said suddenly. What? Why? 
Jax asked her, feeling exasperated. Abby told him what had happened, and Jax sat staring at her with concern. When she finished telling him, he tried to calm her. Here, lay down. It was probably just a bad dream. We have psyched ourselves out of this trip, and these melonhead mutants, and you were having a nightmare. Jax said this to her, but secretly he hoped that whatever had been in the tent with her had been caught on camera. Jax awoke with the sun shining in his face. He left Abby sleeping in the tent and went to the laptop to check the trail cam footage. He was sifting through the footage when Abby came crawling out of the tent, her hair sticking up all over. Coffee? Jax offered. Yes, please, she said as she stretched her arms to the sky. Jax stood up and poured her a cup of black coffee and went back to the computer. He hadn't seen anything yet. So he began to fast forward to where Abby had gone to lay down. Once he reached that section of the recording, he slowed down and watched keenly. Abby was busying herself with combing her hair and changing clothes, so she wasn't paying attention to what he was doing. Once he reached the point where she had been in the tent for about an hour and a half, he saw something behind the tent in the tree line. It had off-centered eyes, but they were glowing fiercely one eye wide and higher on the head than it should have been, and the other more of a slit, and placed where an eye should be. He saw the figure begin to creep forward. Jax was holding his breath as he watched the creature slowly approach the tent. It was crouched down as to not be seen, and it poked its huge bulbous head into the tent. It then pulled its head back out and looked around the clearing with those awful eyes. When it didn't see any danger, it slipped into the tent with Abby. Jax shoved the laptop off his knees, and it hit the grass. What did you see? Abby said as she came jogging over to Jax. He had a tear running down his cheek. He felt a mixture of terror and euphoria. He had something. Finally, he had proof. Jax picked up the computer and showed Abby the footage. She turned pale and then turned away from Jax, before spewing vomit all over him. She wiped her mouth and then told him forcefully that they had to leave. Now. Jax, however, had other plans. No, he said matter-of-factly. No? Abby said in question form. No, Abby, we can't leave yet. This is what I've been working towards, and so have you. We can't just walk away now. Abby was growing furious. She looked at Jax like he was insane. You can't expect me to stay here for your own personal demons, Jax. I have let you lead me around and take me on these trips because I never thought you would actually find something. Abby said with panic in her voice. Now isn't the time to be fighting, Abby. We have to see this through. Please, just one more night, then we'll leave tomorrow morning, I promise," Jack said with desperation in his eyes. Abby swallowed a big drink of cold water and looked at him. She really looked at him, and for the first time she saw what was really there. A desperate man. A man who would do anything to clear his name. A man that had been hurt in unimaginable ways that she would never understand. Her heart felt for him. 
the love she felt for her friend outweighed the fear. Fine. Okay, we can stay one more night, but that's it, Abby said flatly. Jax grabbed her in a bear hug and thanked her profusely. The pair didn't leave each other's sides as they prepared for the night ahead. The trail cams were ready, and Jax had taken one down and set it up angled toward the back of the tent. Now there were two cams on the tent, and one that swiveled back and forth covering the clearing. They also set their electronic voice recorders around in various places in the clearing. Timers set to start them at midnight, then stop at six in the morning. Jax was wound up with excitement and that twinge of fear, but moreover, he was relieved that he was finally about to prove to everyone that hadn't believed him about the demon that the supernatural was real. He was a man possessed with his mission. Abby, on the other hand, was scared to death. She knew she wouldn't be sleeping tonight or possibly ever again. She was only here for Jax, and she had never thought this might actually happen. More than anything, she had just enjoyed them scaring themselves together. She hadn't realized just how deep this went for him. They entered the tent around 11 p.m., Abby holding a knife and Jax holding a bat. Neither one of them owned a gun, and in hindsight, they really wished they had invested in one. Abby thinking so they could protect themselves, and Jax thinking so he could take a carcass back for extra proof. Neither one spoke. They were busy listening for any sound out of the ordinary. They were laying down pretending to sleep so they wouldn't scare the melon heads off. Then, just like clockwork, they heard a twig snap near the tree line. Abby tensed up, and Jack slowly reached a hand over and lightly rubbed her arm. It didn't help. A few minutes later, they saw shadows forming inside the tent. More than one something was standing outside their tent. The group of melon heads was being very still and listening to what was in the tent. Slowly, the front flap of the tent was pulled back, and a head peered inside. Abby's adrenaline shot through the roof, and she sat up swiftly and stabbed at the creature. Blood spurted from the thing, and it gurgled. She had struck it in the throat. All of a sudden, they heard screaming and the sound of footsteps running away. Jax's head felt like it was going to implode. That was a familiar scream. He had heard screams like that before, when he had gone through the demonic ordeal that nearly landed him in prison. Abby sat there covered in blood spray and shaking as her eyes adjusted to the thing she had just killed. It was wearing blue jeans, a Nike shirt, and Nike shoes. It was small. The head wasn't right, though. It looked like it had two mouths, one regular and one grotesque. Jax quickly flipped on a lantern, and to his horror, it was merely a child, maybe 11 or 12 years old, a boy wearing a Halloween mask. The mask had slipped up and was showing his mouth. Some time had gone by, the duo sitting there in shock at what had just happened. They didn't know how long they sat there before blue and red lights could be seen. 
Apparently, the group of children was just that, a group of preteen kids. They also knew the story of the melon heads. And just being kids, they had wanted to pull a prank on these strangers that were camping practically in their backyards. Abby was institutionalized. She had become highly suicidal and erratic after the event. And Jax, well, he didn't get his proof that the supernatural existed. However, he did end up in a place where short, bulbous-headed, gray-skinned, grotesque creatures cut pieces off of him slowly and had him for dinner. Or at least that was the hell he was caught in in his mind. He was institutionalized for a very long time, too. Perhaps the moral to this whole story is that some things are better left unexplained. Sometimes a rational explanation is better than a supernatural one. It's just easier to understand. Sometimes it's better not to open the door to hell. Thank you for joining us to explore Jeremy Swamp Road and its creepy history. Tune in next week as we discuss another terrific location. I'm Carmen Carrion. Remember, you can send me suggestions and stories of haunted places to my email, carmencarrion at gmail.com, or follow me on Twitter at Carmen Carrion. Go to eeriecast.com to find other terrifying podcasts, such as Freaky Folklore, also hosted by me. Until next time, be safe out there until I see you at our next destination. Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.